This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Whatever that thing was, it was following us, running at the same speed as we were. He got even closer and eventually pressed me against the railing. The expression that this man was wearing invoked so much fear, I think my heart quite literally skipped a beat. Listener discretion advised. You're just moments away from true tales of terror that will leave you breathless. From Disturbed Media, I'm your host, Chad, and this is Disturbed. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Disturbed. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Disturbed12 and use code Disturbed12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. Today's episode is a special one because Disturbed is officially one year old. And I gotta say, it's been really awesome. We've grown much faster than I ever anticipated, and we've been heard in over 140 countries around the world. This has really become an international affair. So thanks to everyone who continues to tune in each week. Thanks for all the ratings and reviews, and continuing to share the show with your friends. And of course, thanks to our awesome Patreon members, who continue to support the show and give feedback. You guys really make this possible. And I can't go without saying thank you to each of our talented voice actors who really make the show as good as it is and sound the way that it does. So as a little thank you to the masses, I'm going to be releasing our most recent Patreon-only bonus episode and make it available to everyone for a limited time. You'll be able to find it in your feeds soon, but catch it while you can because it won't be there for long. Now with all that said, let's get rolling. Our first experience is our title story coming to us by way of email submission from Ethan. And beware of the creature in the woods. Performing this experience is Matt Bradford. In 1991, I went through something that still terrorizes me to this day. I told myself I would never talk about this again, since every time I do, I feel that intense fear hit me again and I get chills all over my body. But my son has been listening to your podcast and asked me to share my story. He ended up convincing me that it might be good to let others know, for their safety. 
So first, some background information. My dad had been a Boy Scout when he was a kid, and he always told me and my brothers how that experience changed him and turned him into the man he was. Needless to say, we too joined the Boy Scouts pretty early. By the time I was 16 years old, I was the leader of my group, which meant I was in charge of choosing where to go for our annual camping trip. I decided to take my group to this island called Isla Bella, just a few hours away from our hometown, which had great beaches for camping, according to my peers who had been there before. Now, to get to this beach we wanted, we needed to go through a trail, completely surrounded by nature. Now, the closest site of civilization was miles away from where we were, so we made sure we brought enough supplies in case something out of the ordinary happened. Although we were prepared for more extreme situations, the whole thing about this trip was that we were supposed to use nature as much as we could. Now, we didn't bring any water and food was scarce, so we would have to find rivers to get water and go fishing to eat. And we didn't bring any tents, we had to make our own, so for shelter we brought this huge canvas. Given the situation, it was easier to make one huge tent than many smaller ones. I was sleeping in the far end of the tent when, one night, I woke up too thirsty to be able to go back to sleep. I poked my friend who was right next to me and asked him to come with me to the river nearby to get some water. He wasn't happy that I woke him up, but decided to come since I insisted it was too dangerous for me to go alone in the dark. The river was just a couple miles away, in a trail opposite to the one we took to get to the beach. We didn't have any lanterns, not even headlamps, but we knew the way. Moonlight was enough to guide us there. As we were walking through the trail, I heard a noise in the woods. It sounded like someone was walking right next to us. I stopped, and as soon as I did that, the noise stopped too as if it was really following our every step. I looked over to the trees but didn't see anything, so I asked my friend if he heard it too. Well, he said he did it, and he told me to keep going because he wanted to get back to sleep. As soon as we started walking again, the noise started again as well. At this time, it was louder, as if whatever was there had stepped on a branch for once instead of the usual dry leaves. I asked my friend again if he heard anything, yet this time he seemed frozen in place. I could see his eyes were wide open, even with a little lighting reaching us through the high trees. He shook his head slowly in agreement. We both turned our head to look in the direction of the sound, and that's when we saw it. Big yellow eyes staring right into ours. My survival instincts kicked in. I grabbed my friend by his arm and told him to run. Whatever that thing was, it was following us, running at the same speed as we were. Every time I looked over to the woods, I got more and more terrified. That thing was definitely not human. I can't even get myself to describe it properly, but it was bald, skinny, and it looked awfully hungry. But what terrified me the most was that it wouldn't take its eyes off of us. It just kept staring at me and my friend while running, as if it couldn't possibly get its dinner out of its sight and we made it out of the trail and back into our tent. I remember jumping next to my backpack and getting my knife out, and running back out again, hoping to face whatever that thing was. Didn't seem to have followed us to the beach, and all that movement and noise ended up waking the rest of my group. My friend did his best to explain to them what had happened, and soon everyone was out there with their knives in hand waiting for that thing to return. It never did. We left the next day and never came back. Years later, I told this story to my kids. My oldest son is really into video games, 
and one afternoon he called me out to the living room to watch him play one of his games for some reason. I soon understood why. There was some kind of creature in the game, and it looked just like what I'd seen when I was exactly his age. He told me that thing was called a Wendigo in the game, and that it is based on an actual urban legend that has many variations around the world. Look, I'm not sure if what I saw was an actual Wendigo, but whatever it was, I hope I'll never have to see it again. Support the show and get your very own shout-out, ad-free listening, bonus episodes, and more for as little as $3 a month at disturbedpodcast.com support. Shout-out to our newest members, Ronnie, Sean Sprague, Christopher Kissel, Samantha Garza, Tia Huffstadter, Robin Gordon, Valerie Santos, and Don Compton. Next up. We hear from Reddit user, any username for now, and we find out that he just wanted a girlfriend. Performing this experience is Tanya Eby. When I was about nine years old, my family used to live in a remote area on the outskirts of town. Considering the location of the suburb, that area was surrounded by warehouses and such. At the time, my family did not have a phone in the house and neither did our neighbors. There were no cell phones back then, or they were a luxury and not everyone could afford one. This took place in the end of the 90s. So if I needed to call my mom while she was at work, I had to either go to my dad's work or a company next to his, which was closer, to make a phone call. My dad's work was a relatively short walk from our house, probably 30 minutes or less. My dad was working at a huge unloading dock for metallurgical slash natural resources shipments. In order to get to my dad's work, I had to walk past another adjacent company just like the one where my dad was working. I will call it Docs 2. My dad's work, as well as Docs 2, had a sort of watchtower. It is just a cabin mounted at the top of a tall platform, and you need to go up a decent amount of stairs to get to the top. There was always a guard inside overseeing the whole yard from the top during the day and night to make sure no one is in danger or no break-ins. The phones were located only on-site watchtowers at the time. Docks, too, were much closer to our house, about 10 minutes' walk. One day, as I've done many times before, I went to the docks, too, to make a call. I climbed the stairs, knocked on the door, and was welcomed in by a guard I used to see quite often and knew well. However, that day he wasn't alone. New guy, 28 at the time, was there. Apparently, he was a new employee hired to work shifts. He was this very tanned white guy, always wearing military-style outfits. I was just an average-looking child, looking exactly my age. My hair was very blonde, which made my cheeks always appear rosy red, and give me an even more childish appearance. When the new guy saw me that day, he wouldn't take his eyes off me. As soon as I was about to finish my call with my mom, it's just one room so everyone can hear my conversation with her, the new guy went outside to smoke. When I came out, He smiled at me and asked me what my name is and whether I came there often to make calls. I don't remember what I said, but I felt very shy because he was just staring deeply into my eyes. I will call him the creep. Fast forward, and I came to that tower again to make a call, and there he was again. But that time, he was alone. I spoke to my mom, and as I was about to leave, he asked me if I wanted any tea, to which I refused. 
He then proceeded to ask how my school was going and things like that. He offered to help me with my homework. However, I told him I've got it all sorted. Harmless, but strange. On a side note, I just want to say that what gave me shivers when I was near him is that whenever he looked at me, he looked drunk, which was very unsettling. Mind you, he wasn't actually drunk, but his eyes would get so hazy and his face would flush red. Sometime later, I saw him again. That time, I was walking to my dad's work with my friend, and he was doing some digging in the docks, too. When he saw me through the metal fence that was separating us, he just leaned against his shovel and just stared at me. He didn't say hi or anything like that. After those encounters, for quite some time, I took alternative routes to see my dad, or play with puppies at my dad's work, or make calls to my mom, because he really creeped me out. However, one day, I had to call my mom urgently. My dad's work phone didn't work, so I had to go to the Docks 2 tower, hoping I wouldn't see him. The creep was there, and oh boy, he was so happy I came. He was complaining how I don't come anymore to see him. As I was making a call, he grabbed another chair and sat right next to me, very close. It took a while for the call because my mom was busy with something and someone went to get her while I was on the phone. It felt like hours waiting, and the creep was just sitting next to me, looking at me and smiling. When my mom finally got to the phone, he got up and went to make me tea and brought some biscuits. When I was done talking, he insisted I have some tea with him. I didn't, and he just kept on trying to strike a conversation. But this time, the tone of conversation was different. He asked me how old exactly I was and I told him 12 or 13. I have no idea why I lied that I was older than 9. He told me his age and though I knew he was much older, I felt really weirded out that he wanted to talk to me so badly or had any interest in being my friend. My alarms did go off every time I was around him, but I guess I didn't feel overly in danger. He then proceeded to tell me that I was beautiful and asked me whether I had a boyfriend. He asked me if I have already dated boys and what type of boys I liked. I was so uncomfortable and so eager to leave at that point, but he would just keep dragging me into these weird conversations. I could tell he was drinking that day. When I began moving towards the door, he followed me. Eventually, we were both outside. However, in order to get down from the tower, you need to walk this narrow path toward the stairs. He stood blocking it so that I couldn't leave. He got very close to me and I freaked out. The only escape tactic I could come up with as a child was to pretend that I'm seeing someone from the top of the tower. So I began waving my hand at the road down the bottom and towards houses in the distance, pretending I see someone I know and saying, oh look, that's my uncle, he's waving at me. The creep looked in that direction, but either didn't care or could tell that I was lying. I kept on telling him that the uncle who waved back is a big, angry man. And if I won't come down this instance and go home, we both are going to be in trouble. The creep didn't budge. He got even closer and eventually pressed me against the railing. He kept on asking me his weird questions, which I was terrified to move because I didn't want to move my body against his, if that makes any sense, so I just froze. He asked me if I would come on a date with him and that he's looking for a girlfriend. And at that particular moment, someone was coming up the stairs to the tower, so he let me go, but asked me to come back. I have not told anyone about this encounter at that stage because I was afraid that my parents would get angry. I also felt very embarrassed and thought that people would judge me for what's happened. Sometime later, I was home and it was around 9 p.m. I know the time because it was my bedtime. Suddenly, a car came into our driveway. I came to see who it was through the front room window, and I could see it was the creep. But this time with other guys, 
blasting music in his car and shouting my name. I have no idea how he knew where I lived. He must have followed me one day. My dad was outraged. He asked me who these people were, but before I could even answer, he rushed outside. Apparently, the creep asked for me to go out with him and his friends. My dad obviously refused, saying that I am a child and too young to hang out with them or go out at this time of the night, and that if he sees any one of them ever again, he will beat the living day out of them. So they drove away. I was so upset with my dad that he called me a child in front of them. So stupid. I think because we lived so far away from everything, I was really keen to make friends and there were no kids around as such. For a while after that, I hadn't seen the creep or heard of him. A significant time later, I was walking to my dad's work again and I've completely forgotten about the creep. He was working in the docks too with his friends, maybe those that came with him that night in the car, or maybe these were just his co-workers. I got scared when I saw him and even though he shouted hi, I pretended not to know him. He said something to his friends and I remember so clearly how one of his friends exclaimed loudly, her? I guess he told them about me or his interest in me, but no one expected me to be a child. I looked at the guy that exclaimed. He was staring at me in utter disbelief. He must have been 20 or 25 or so, I think, and the creep was saying something to him. His friend screamed at him, have you lost your mind? Clearly the creep didn't see me as a child like everyone else did. Fast forward again, maybe half a year later. One day, I was home alone in the evening waiting for my parents to come back from work. We lived in a very safe community, so sometimes I'd be home myself for a little bit after school till my parents got home. I was playing a game whereby I was a singer. I had this stage created in the living room, and I was performing in front of chairs, pretending chairs were my live audience. It was pitch black outside. At some point during my performance, I see someone staring at me through the living room window. That person must have been crouching down as only the top of his face could be seen from the bottom. As soon as the person realized I saw them, they ran away. I was so embarrassed that someone saw me performing, scared and shocked at the same time, that I was literally glued to the floor. I don't know whether that was him. Our dog didn't react at all, maybe because music was playing very loud. I was scared to go outside the house to check, but peered through the window. However, no one was there. That person had to climb over a wooden fence to get to our living room window. I told my parents about it. I've also asked my friend whether it was him who came around, but he said it wasn't him. I don't know if my friend felt shy to admit he was watching me, or whether it was the creep. To finish this up, one day I went to the docks too with my dad, and my dad needed something from there for work. I saw the old guard that I knew well and asked about the creep, and was told that he doesn't work there anymore. I don't know what happened to him. I never told my parents about what's happened. So, even though I know our paths will never cross, let's not meet. Did you guys know that you can enjoy restaurant quality meals for less and in the comfort of your own home? I gotta say, I'm really looking forward to cooking with HelloFresh. America's number one meal kit. And listen to this. They're offering disturbed listeners 12 free meals, including free shipping, when you go to HelloFresh.com slash Disturbed12 and use code Disturbed12 at checkout. Guys, that's 12 meals completely free. Now, HelloFresh delivers fresh, high-quality, pre-proportioned ingredients so you can make meals that are delicious and nutritious. 
And if you're like me, you don't want to spend time meal planning, prepping, and grocery shopping. So HelloFresh has you covered because they cut both of those things completely out. So you can enjoy cooking and have dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. The convenience is unmatched and really flexible. You can easily change your delivery days or food preferences. You can even skip a week here and there or whenever you need. Now the meal that I've got my eye on and absolutely can't wait to try is the Italian chicken over lemony spaghetti with zucchini and chili flakes. How good does that sound? This is a deal you seriously can't pass up. So here's what you do. Go to hellofresh.com disturbed12 and use code disturbed12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. And remember, when you use our special link and discount code, you're supporting the show and it lets them know that we sent you. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Now back to the show. Up next, we hear from Reddit user Regal1895. And somebody just might be watching from the woods. Performing this experience is Tom Aglio. Since my last post here sparked quite a discussion, I decided to post another of my unsettling stories that are tied to local forests. I grew up in these forests and I feel quite comfortable there. Nevertheless, I stumbled into a few unsettling situations there that would firmly stick in my mind forever. This was one such occasion. I was 18 at that time. One evening, me and my two friends, Mike and Paul, decided to go camping. Well, camping maybe isn't the right word since we didn't intend to spend the night, only to chill and have some fun around the campfire for a while. The plan was simple. Head out, build the campfire, drink a few bottles of wine, eat something, and head back home for a good night's sleep. We met at my house when it was still sunny outside. We got ready and we headed out. Our destination was an old abandoned quarry in the middle of the woods, which was maybe 40 minutes from my house. Even though the quarry has a tragic and frankly creepy history, it's a popular place for such occasions. When we got there, the sky was already colored red as the sun slowly sank behind the hills. 
We quickly gathered all the firewood that we could, so we wouldn't have to look for it later. As the darkness fell and absorbed all of our surroundings into impenetrable blackness, we already managed to get the fire going. We were in a great mood and we were getting ready for our first toast. That's when we realized that we made a horrible mistake. We forgot the corkscrew. We were trying to open the wine without it, but we quickly gave up because the bottles were quite expensive and we didn't want to damage them. At this point, it was clear that one of us would have to sacrifice himself and jog back to retrieve the corkscrew. After a bit of haggling, I volunteered. However, I had two conditions. Firstly, they would give me a hatchet in case something went wrong along the way. Secondly, no pranks when I got back. Mike and Paul agreed without hesitation. They shoved a hatchet into my one hand and a flashlight to another, and sent me on my way. As I was jogging through the forest, I heard a noise resembling a wild boar. Suddenly, I remembered a warning I received from an old hunter a few days ago. He said that this time of year, boars were getting dangerous, especially at night. I was a bit nervous, but luckily I managed to survive with no harm. I arrived safely to my house, much to the surprise of my mom, who didn't expect me so early. I explained the whole deal, she just laughed. I grabbed the corkscrew and was back on my way. Not wanting to experience an unpleasant boar encounter, I chose another, slightly longer path, this time through an open field. After a while, I got to our spot. It was a small clearing surrounded on one side by a massive rock, maybe 70 meters tall, and on the other side by thick forest. Somewhere in the middle of the clearing was our campfire. When I approached it, I realized that there wasn't anybody, although our backpacks were still on the ground and the fire was burning bright. Great. We specifically agreed that there'd be no pranks when I got back. Those dicks think that they're funny, I thought to myself. I resignedly sat down near the fire while facing the woods. That's the only place where those two assholes could have hidden, I thought. I was really tired, and all I could think about was the taste of that exquisite Pinot Noir we brought with us. I really wasn't in the mood for their games, and I was getting quite mad. That's when I heard a snapping of twigs and rustling of leaves from the edge of the forest. Maybe 30 meters from where I was sitting, the sound was rhythmical and it was undoubtedly the sound of somebody walking. I aimed my flashlight to the spot where sounds were coming from. Between the trees, I spotted a tall person wearing a dark hoodie. As I shined my flashlight on him, he stopped walking, turned to me and just kept staring motionlessly. Even though he was directly facing me, I couldn't really see his face. I shouted, Paul, you fat bitch, I know you're trying to scare me. We agreed on something, so stop messing around and come out. As I finished, the hooded figure just turned around and walked deeper into the woods. Exactly at that time, my phone started ringing. Honestly, I took it out of my pocket. It was Mike. I took the call and started barking at him. Really funny, you assholes. I thought we agreed on something. What are you talking about? I'm talking about you trying to fuck with me. I clearly saw so you can come out now. Mike as if froze for a minute. For what seemed like an eternity, all I could hear was his heavy breathing and Paul mumbling something in the background. When he finally snapped back to reality, he just said, Dude, we're at your house. We heard some footsteps. At first, we just thought that you're trying to fuck with us. But then we got scared and decided to look after you. I forgot the phone at your house, so we couldn't even call you. Just get the hell out of there, and we'll come back for our stuff together. Bullshit. That's just another of your funny pranks, and I'm not buying it. Hold on a second. For a while, all I could hear was some incoherent mumbling. Hey, what's going on? Asked the voice of my mom coming from the phone. My head suddenly spun, and my heart skipped a beat as I realized they weren't kidding. Suddenly, a freezing wave of fear ran through my body. However, I managed to convince mom that everything was just fine, that she doesn't need to worry. She gave the phone back to Mike. Just leave everything and come back. We're heading out now. We'll meet you halfway there. I'm not going anywhere alone again. You better get your asses here and do it quick. I'm waiting for you, but 
I hung up. I didn't wish to make any more noise than I already did. I quickly turned off my flashlight and started to back off from the light of the fire. I moved all the way to the huge wall of rocks. I figured that if I had my back covered by the rocks, I would eliminate one of the possible ways the unwanted visitor could approach me. I was standing there in a complete darkness, trying not to make a sound while tightly clutching my hatchet, which would be for the next half an hour my best friend. I had to constantly convince myself not to curl into a ball in fear. Even my own body started to betray me as my hearing got worse due to my savagely beating heart. I was trying to calm myself, but then again, in worst case scenario, every little bit of adrenaline would help. After what seemed like an eternity, I spotted two weak light beams coming from the forest. I heard Paul shout my name. I've never been so relieved. I finally ran out of my hiding to greet my two friends. For quite some time, we were just standing there, laughing like maniacs from relief. We were even getting a bit cocky and we thought about staying. After all, there was just one supposedly creep lurking between the trees and there were three of us. Funny, just minutes earlier I was shitting myself with fear and now I was suddenly full of tough macho bullshit thinking. What could possibly happen? In the end, healthy judgment got the better of us and we decided to leave. We packed our things, put out the fire, and got out. We took our bottles of wine to enjoy somewhere else, somewhere where it's nice and brightly lit. For those of you that love true crime, I've got a show that you'll absolutely love and definitely need to check out. Morbidology, featuring accomplished author Emily Thompson. Take a listen. Morbidology is a weekly true crime podcast hosted by me, Emily G. Thompson, author of Unsolved Child Murders, Unsolved Murders, Cults Uncovered, and Mysteries Uncovered. 911 emergency. My son shot my husband. I need an ambulance. He's bleeding. Each week on Morbidology, I uncover a new true crime case using investigative research combined with source audio. I just snatched it from her. My son had took it and it's like, I just hit her with it. Morbidology is a victim-focused podcast that mostly covers cases that aren't widely documented in mainstream media. I also like to take an in-depth look at any systemic failures which had a part to play in the crime. Do you know why you're here? For a uh, home invasion gone terribly wrong. Listen to Morbidology across all podcast platforms. And finally we check in with Reddit user XXMiranda and find out why she'll never park far from her job again. Performing this experience is Nicole Goodnight. I currently work at a restaurant somewhere in the Midwest. Now, obviously, I can't say what restaurant, but It's on a pretty busy road with lots of cars and lots of people walking on the road to get to the bus stop or whatever their destination may be. It's got its own parking lot where I usually will park closer to the doors, but the story I'm about to tell is the one time I didn't. That night, I sincerely regret my actions. To give some backstory, a couple of years ago, I just so happened to work at the sports bar and grill directly across the parking lot from my current job. I worked there for just four months, and I have plenty of interesting stories about that place, but that's for another post. Anyways, while I worked at my previous job, I did not have a car, so I either walked to and from work or I got a ride. Now, mind you, I would walk home at around 10 some nights on barely lit roads when cars weren't always around. This naturally made me weary, and this was on top of the fact that older men would constantly hit on me as a minor and 
just make me feel watched. This backstory of my old job might not seem important at the moment, and I didn't think it would ever become relevant again, but it matters in the end, I promise. While working at my old job, I was a minor, as previously stated, but that never stopped drunken men from approaching me and being inappropriate. There was one man in particular who I never forgot about and who came back to haunt me in the worst way. The man was taller, quite good-looking, and always wore expensive-looking clothing and accessories. He had a very elegant vibe to him, which is why I did not think much of him when he would talk to me while I was working. He started out very polite. He'd ask me about how work was going, how my day was, stuff like that. But as the weeks went on, he would ask more and more personal questions, which started making me suspicious of him. The event that occurred right before I quit was a night I wish I could forget when thinking back on my days at that sports bar. I remember it being a long night, probably because it was a sports season and our restaurant would get very busy. And as a hostess, it was stressful trying to take calls when there was shouting because the hockey team won a golden cup or whatnot. That night, after I had finished cleaning the bathrooms, I remember him being at the hostess stand waiting for me. I approached him and tried to make polite conversation, but I could tell immediately that he was acting strange. His gaze was shifty and he didn't look as put together as he normally did. The first thing he said to me was something along the lines of, you're only 16, right? To which I confirmed. And he continued with something like, well, when you're 18, I'll have something for you. It'll be a surprise, just wait until you're 18. And he promptly left through the bar section of the grill. I stood shocked for a moment before composing myself and finishing my cleaning so I could get the hell out of there. After I finished counting my drawer down, I went out back and unlocked the bike that had gotten a month or so after I started working there and began to ride home. Note that I was paranoid as hell as I was doing this because seriously, who the fuck says that to an underage girl? I watched my back all night as I rode home and felt watched the entire time. It was kind of my fault he knew my age. I had told him a long time ago as I mentioned something about birthday plans. But his comment on my age made me feel sick to my stomach regardless. Now let's jump to more recently when I started my new job just across the parking lot. It's been years since I worked there and I had just about let go of the memories of working at the godforsaken sports bar, but something happened recently that made the memories feel like yesterday. The stimulus checks and nice weather have brought a surge of customers to my current restaurant. I worked here for almost a year now and we have been busier in the past month than we've been since I first started. This means that occasionally I don't get to park right by the doors and I must park a bit further away. On this particular day, that still makes me feel nervous thinking about. I had to park basically at the furthest corner of our lot due to a large amount of staff and customers taking the closer spots. That day I thought nothing of it as I went for my closing shift and worked a long and stressful shift until about 10pm. I work at the front of the restaurant and our closing duties can be pretty grueling. That night was especially bad because I was the only one up front beside the manager who has to go back and forth between kitchen and front to help. I finished all of my cleaning, albeit a bit later than usual, and felt bad for taking so long, but they weren't too upset because a coworker of mine was waiting on a ride, so they had to wait anyways. So with that, I say my goodbyes to the two of them and head out the back doors to my car. I immediately was irritated that I had to walk so far to get to my car and I started digging for my keys. I didn't realize there was a third car in the parking lot until it was almost too late. I finally grabbed my keys after a moment of struggling to find them and realized that the third car is in fact not my manager, and it was parked right next to mine. Although it did look similar, which is why I didn't think much of it at first, being exhausted from work. Upon getting closer, I realized there's a person inside, so I remember thinking, is my coworker's ride here? 
but no one came out to go home, so I assumed not. I looked back closer to the restaurant and realized that in front of the building, where I couldn't see before as I left out the back, my manager's car was sitting empty right up front. All of these thoughts were piecing together as I slowly trailed to my car, and after connecting the dots, I tried to see who was in the car waiting for me. I remember squinting at them. I didn't have my glasses on, and that's probably what made them realize I noticed them. And with that, they turned on their car. Immediately, I looked away because the car lights were too bright, and when I tried to look back again, the cabin light was turned on. I stopped dead in my tracks as if paralyzed. Just writing this is starting to make my eyes tear up for some reason, but the expression that this man was wearing invoked so much fear, I think my heart quite literally skipped a beat. The man's features were a bit blurry with the distance and darkness, but I could tell he knew me from somewhere with that little overhead light illuminating his face. The lack of facial expression is what really made me scared shitless because I figured he would smile, frown, wave, anything. Instead, he sat there, arms at his side as he waited for me to come closer. Now, as a young woman, I should know better than to ignore my instincts telling me to get the hell out of a situation, but for a split second, I almost felt compelled to continue towards my car. I can't explain why, but I distinctly recall taking one step forward before pausing, asking myself, what the fuck am I doing? and then hightailing it back to the back door. I felt like I was prey about to be eaten, the way that I sensed his overwhelming presence behind me. The whole time I debated going back and then running to safety, he just sat right in his seat and didn't move an inch, or so I assume, as I did not look back until I reached the door. I glanced back at his car for a split second before dashing inside, and all I remember seeing was his cabin light had turned off, and I could only see a dark figure. The menacing light no longer illuminated his face. I didn't need to see his face to know he was still staring. I could feel his beady eyes staring right at me. After scaring the hell out of my coworkers by yanking open the back door as I did, I explained what happened. They both immediately got serious and told me to wait with them while they waited for my other workers' ride. We sat for a few more minutes and talked about how freaky the situation was and how they'd call the cops if he was still there when we went outside together. And I sat in silence. I was silent because in the few minutes after the encounter with the strange man... I knew I recognized him from somewhere. He was that same guy who had told me to wait for him when I turned 18. It took me a while because he didn't look like he used to. He looked much more bedraggled, a bit older, and much, much scarier. I don't know if he saw me that day as I brought out the trash or, or maybe when I walked into work, but he knew I was there somehow and that scared the shit out of me. When their ride finally arrived, we all walked out together and my eyes instantly shot to the area where I knew his car was parked. It was just my car, though, waiting for me to climb inside and get home ASAP. The manager saw my coworker off into their parents' car and walked me to mine. She helped me check under my car and inside, as apparently she had dealt with a stalker before and knew all of the tricks to stay safe. I thanked her profusely and got in, locking my doors right away. I watched her as she walked to her car and started to leave the lot. I looked frantically to see if I could spot his car anywhere in the shopping area that connected with our parking lots, but found nothing. I live close by my work, so... I took a long way home that night, fearing that he was waiting for me to go home to do something sinister. Needless to say, I didn't sleep well that night as I kept thinking that he was in the darkest corner of my room with that hollow expression on his face. I considered making a police report, but seeing as the police tend to be useless in scenarios like this, and I literally only had a first name, which could have been fake, I decided against it. In the weeks since then, I haven't seen him or heard from him. I still think about him every time I leave the building, half expecting him to be either standing outside ready to snatch me or parked right next to my car. 
I always leave with my coworkers now, as my parents insisted I began doing after I told them about what happened. To this day, I still wonder why he remembered that I was 18, almost 19 now, but he didn't know exactly when my birthday was, because I had almost completely forgotten him. I hope that I never do find out what surprise he had waiting for me. All in all, I most definitely think I've earned the right to say this much. Creepy man whose name was apparently Michael, let's not meet. If you have an experience you'd like to share with us, just leave a voicemail at 701-354-3667 or online at disturbedpodcast.com. Any creepy, scary, or unexplained experience, I want to hear it. You can also email your story to us at disturbedpod20 at gmail.com. If you love our show, consider leaving a five-star rating and review. Follow or subscribe wherever you're listening right now so you never miss an episode. And help us grow by sharing the show with a few friends. Musical score by Carl Casey at White Bat Audio and Co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all.